Hey everyone, it's your host Richie Burke and welcome back to the Go-Getters podcast. On this episode, we are going to help you get fit for 2023. We are going to dive pretty granular into fitness and nutrition. Before we dive in, I just wanted to let you know that we've got some big changes coming up with the podcast in 2023 that we'll be announcing in the coming weeks, so make sure to stay tuned for those. On this episode, I got to sit down with my friend Wade Ritchie. He is a partner at F45 Milwaukee Lakefront, where I've been working out the last few years. Wade is a certified strength and conditioning specialist with over 15 years of experience in health, fitness, and nutrition, and he has helped thousands of clients. Very intelligent guy. And we dove into a lot on this episode. We're gonna help you set your fitness goals, let you know what the most important things you should focus on will be when it comes to exercise, nutrition, what you should be eating, what kind of workouts you should be doing, cardio versus strength training. We talk about alcohol, sleep, water consumption, pre-workout, protein, energy drinks, creatine, all, all sorts of stuff. We also answer a good amount of fan-submitted questions. Some are a little out there, others you can relate pretty well to, but Wade gives very intelligent answers to all of them. So. Without further ado, thanks for tuning in, and let's dive into today's episode with Wade Ritchie from F45. Why do most people not achieve their fitness goals? Yeah, great question. Um, in today's day and age, a lot of things are very um, very quick to respond, right? We're looking for instant gratification on things, instant satisfaction. So with something like weight loss, it takes a long time. You know, if you want to you want to see your abs, for instance, which is a, a lot of people's goals. Um, it takes a long time to cut the body fat. It takes a lot of changes in your life. Um, and it takes that in repetition day after day, week after week. You know, um, like a, an average good weight loss is a pound a week. And most people are looking to lose 20, 30 pounds. So you're talking, you know, half a year of dedicated focus day after day, week after week, month after month. And people just... A lot of people will lose track of, of how important that goal is and they just slip up once. They go, well, you know, I had a bad meal. I had a bad day. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to give up now. It's easier to go back to what you were doing before than it is to keep fighting that fight against yourself, you know? But if you, if you cut like a bad habit or two, mm -hmm. it's going to come off eventually. It might, might be a slower burn, right? But if you're yeah. at a certain point, you can make a, just a couple changes in it. Yeah. It can, it can get better. Right. Yeah. Uh, and depending on how bad the habit is, <laughs> you know, you could see quick results from changing that habit or, uh, uh, getting rid of it altogether. Some people that that habit is, um, is, you know, it's, it's usually it's against yourself. Like you're choosing to do a certain action, but sometimes people aren't thinking about, you know, what that action is or at that, that action exists. So until they identify, like, uh, you know, at the end of my day, I come home and I eat 3,000 calories in one meal, but I didn't eat anything all day, you know? So like, well, that's not bad, right? I only ate 3,000 calories in that day. And I'm like, well, yeah, but your metabolism is shot because you didn't eat anything. You starved it all day long. Yeah. So then eating that 3,000 calories is even worse than if you just spread it out over three or five meals in that day. So, um, so every habit is a little bit different and changing some habits uh, makes a bigger difference than changing other habits. But that's what it boils down to is like identifying, troubleshooting which habits uh, can make the biggest difference and, and sort of pinpointing those first. Yeah. 
But I get it. It feels like a lot of work when you're just starting out. And let's say you're used to drinking several times a week and you go cold turkey on alcohol and you eat really clean and mm-hmm. a week can seem like forever. forever. Yeah. And you look at the scale and you're like, oh, shit, I did all that. And I only lost <laughs> two pounds. And I look in the mirror and I can't, can't see my abs yet. And it's right. easy to give up. So if people are looking to make a pretty drastic change or big change, do you recommend they ease into it and maybe hey what's one thing that's going to move the needle for me opposed to i'm going to do the hard 70 or some program like that right i think great. it's the hard 70 right yeah it's a, that's a great question so you um depending on personality type some people they have to go all in or it's not happening at all right so they they might have to set a huge goal and and get rid of all those obstacles and really hunker down to it um that's a small portion of the of, of the pie though like there's not that's not a lot of the population most of the population um does need to make smaller incremental changes so if you're for instance if you're drinking you know five six days a week cutting cold turkey is probably too much it's too big of a lifestyle change it's not something that you can maintain for longer than a week or two so while you're going to go hard for that week or two and feel good about it and that third week is going to come you're going to get you know the phone call from your buddies or whatever and you're going to head out for that fourth night of drinks fifth night it's just too, it's too difficult to do that. So giving yourself like a realistic plan of approach, um, is, is more important for those, for most people than I'm going to cut it out cold Turkey and be 100% super healthy and clean, you know, live the organic lifestyle. So, yeah, that's kind of what I did with myself a couple of years ago too, when mm-hmm. I started working out with, at your place. And then the last couple of years, I've pretty much cut out alcohol Sunday through Thursday because mm-hmm. I didn't want to go cold Turkey. and but I thought about the compounding effect and it was like, I didn't drink a ton during the week, but even two to three happy hours at mm-hmm. two beers a time or three beers a time, six, six drinks a week, you times that by 50 weeks a year is 300 yeah. drinks a year. And that just totally. compounds completely. Yeah. Um, so you look at people who actually achieve their goals, like dancing cowboy MKE, Daniel <laughs> Slade, for example, who yeah. just started going to F45 a few years ago and just, yeah. How much weight did he lose? Probably like a legit Life changer. Yeah. So 80 ish pounds or so. Like, yeah. He's a good example. What do, what do people who actually do that have in common? Yeah. That's a good question. So he, uh, Daniel in particular, just he found a point in his life that, that he knew he needed to make a big change, big drastic change. And he's got that personality that's like, I'm going to go all in on this and, uh, you know, not stop until I get what I'm, what I'm going for. And so he's a good example of that. And he, he really did it. He worked out, you know, two, three times a day, uh, seven days a week. He was, he reached a thousand classes before our next closest person reached 500. I mean, he's just, just an absolute beast, but he, um, he himself would also find times when he would fall off the bandwagon and, you know, have to kind of get back on or come in and work out when he's hung over to try to work up those extra calories. Right. You know, tiki bar season is, it could be long. Be long the, the Great Cliffs Tiki Bar at Bradford Beach during the summer is what everyone listening to this in Milwaukee should be training for. That is Daniel Slade, founding member of the Great Cliffs Tiki Bar and owner of several Great Cliffs in the area, especially I know on the, on the north side of town, Shorewood. Um, what are the most important things people can do to be healthy? That's a good question. Um, so health has a lot of different aspects to it. So like your, your physical health is only one aspect. Um, and they're all kind of linked together like a chain. 
So there's, you know, there's the emotional, there's the spiritual, the social. Um, if any one of those links is, is, uh, is broken, isn't working right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause an effect on the other links of that chain. So um, when you're looking at improving your health, you have to look at it from a very global perspective, right? So how do you, how do you manage all of these things to make a difference in a positive way? Um, and typically the one that's the lowest on the scale, the one that's the most broken is the one you should be spending the most time on to fix and, and bring up to a healthy state. Um, it's not always possible to do that on your own. Like sometimes people need professional help. Um, a lot of my expertise is in the, the fitness realm, as you know, um, but also the nutrition stuff. Like we've, we, almost everybody that we work with has a, a nutritional component that they're, that they need to help with in order to achieve that fitness goal that they have. Um, we, we also have like a social component to it as well. Like the class structure that we have, we have a lot of people that are communicating, talking, creating friendships in and outside the gym. Um, and that helps them, helps them to achieve fitness goals. It helps them to achieve, you know, the social, the nutrition, the mental. So I think from a, from a health perspective, um, looking at what, where your biggest areas or biggest return is, um, and focusing on that part first you know, to fix it and bring it up to where it needs to be to a healthy state, um, that will make the biggest change first. For, for you focusing on diet and nutrition, are there certain guidelines? There's so many different diets and fads. You got keto, you got vegan, you got no carb, you got, I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on. What, what, yeah. Yeah. What's your philosophy? Right. Um, <clears throat> so some people, can take those fads and create a lifestyle out of it. Not very many can, but, um, you know, good for them. Like if, if, uh, if you know that a certain fad diet is something that you're interested in by, by all means, do some research, um, pursue it if you need to. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's kind of straightforward. Like most people don't walk into a grocery store and go like, I'm not sure if this macaroni and cheese box is healthy for me or not. Most people know the answer to that question, you know? Um, should I be stopping at a fast food restaurant on my way home or shouldn't I? So, uh, the, the answer to the, to the nutrition side of things is not like, it, it's not as marketed as what people think it is. There's not like one size fits all. Um, if you eat healthy, if you have a moderate diet, if you're, you're, uh, conscious of the foods you're putting into your body, um, focusing on things that are you know, good for metabolism, things that are very natural, things that you know that your body's going to uh, understand what it is and you, when you put it into it versus like, you know, some sort of plasticky engineered something. Um, as long as you stick to those things, you're, you're probably going to get a pretty good result. Um, but again, a lot of people, it takes a big lifestyle change in order to, to achieve that. Mm -hmm. We'll get into a number of questions related to alcohol and the fan submitted questions, but I did want to bump it up here. How, how bad is beer and alcohol for you? Can you explain what it is and what it does to your system? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, so alcohol is a, is a, it's a sugar and it's metabolized in your body a little different than any other sugar in that it actually gives you, um, a larger, uh, like your, your, you metabolize it different in that you get more calories per gram than you would a typical sugar. Um, the interesting part about that is it's also an inhibitor. So even though you get like, if you took a spoonful of sugar, you'd have all sorts of energy. Uh, alcohol doesn't give you that all sorts of energy, right? It, it brings you down, it gives you, it's more of a depressant than it is a stimulator. Um, so in, instead of making your metabolism like spike up, 
what it does is it it makes you actually more hungry. It it messes with your uh, your uh, glucose levels, blood glucose levels, and it can it can make you actually crave foods that are higher in calories. And so the end result is that most people get a dehydrated because it's a diuretic, and then b they crave foods that are of higher calories, and they also consumed a lot of extra calories because you can get liquid calories stack up like a lot faster than a solid calorie food would. Um, you could drink a, a 400 calorie beer and not blink an eye to it, right? Cause it's the same as like hundred calorie beer. But if you ate 400 calories of, of uh, protein versus hundred calories of protein, you'd know the difference right away. So that those liquid calories, like they stack up super fast. Um, so I, I think it does take a tremendous toll and uh, anybody that's looking to lose weight does need to keep that in mind. You know, that it, it's not impossible to lose weight and still consume alcohol. Um, but it, it definitely is going to be a, a challenge for sure. Like it's something that you're going to have to uh, put some restrictions on most likely in order to achieve, you know, weight loss. How, how do hangovers happen? <laughs> Can you explain the science behind a, a hangover? Behind a hangover? And maybe why some people get them terribly and others yeah. not so much. Yeah, right. Good question. So from an unscientific perspective, um, you're essentially poisoning your body, right? And your body has to, to come out of that poison. So it's got to work it through the system. Um, from a scientific perspective, a lot of it is about uh, dehydration. So since it is a diuretic, like coffee, caffeine is a diuretic. Um, since it is diuretic, it's going to get rid of a lot of the, the water that's in your cells and in your tissues. And uh, your brain, for instance, holds a lot of water. So um, when you get a headache, things like that, it's usually because of blood flow uh, restrictions, restraints. And since you have less water in your blood and in your tissues, you get the response of, of the, the headache. The sort of sickening feeling is, is similar to low blood sugar because, because you uh, threw in all that alcohol, that sugar, alcohol is sugar, um, into your body at one time. Your body responds by dipping super low. Uh, making it feel like you're, you're super hypoglycemic, very low blood sugar. So you can get a similar response in your stomach if you essentially starved yourself for a while uh, to the point where your body's just like suffocating to get more sugars in it, right? Because it has to regulate. It only wants a certain amount of it. Um, so you get the two responses in one with a hangover, which usually is like, you know, creates that, that real big problem of not only am I sick, but I also have a headache and tons of inhibition. Is it good to work out when you're hungover to sweat it out? Or does that do more harm than good? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes and no. So um, in, in some ways it's good because most of alcohols and most of the sugars that they put in drinks are uh, water soluble. So by sweating it out, you can actually, the, the toxins that are associated with most alcoholic drinks are connected to some water in your body. By sweating, you can you can actually sweat out some of those toxins. A lot of it you actually you actually pee out, um, so you, you get rid of a lot of the, the problems with that. Um, what you have to watch out for with uh, exercising on a bad hangover is that your your dehydration state might be so great that it, it actually could put you in a in health detriment. Um, so as long as you're you know conscious of of how hydrated you are going into it, yeah, I mean it's actually good for you to to quote unquote sweat it out to work it out, and then pump some blood you know, flood through and kind of flush the body that way. What are your views on water consumption? How much should people be consuming? That's a great question. So th there's some very recent studies in this actually. 
um, before they they kind of used the um, the calculation of eight glasses of water a day per person was like the the right amount of water. So that a hundred ounces essentially. Essentially, yeah. Um, they've 96. they've actually backed up on that because they've um, they realized that the original calculations didn't include uh, how much water is in your food that you eat, right? So if you're the majority of the food that you're eating has a ton of water, and unless you're cooking in a certain way that gets rid of the water, but the vast majority of food has a lot of water in it. So they don't really necessarily um, say that you should be drinking eight glasses of water a day anymore on top of what you're already eating. So um, for most people, what I would say is like, pay attention to a lot of times it's your urine. Like if your urine is clear, you're hydrated. You know, if it's got a yellow tint to it, the darker the yellow, the more dehydrated you are. You know, so you need to pump up the, the fluids. Every day is a little different. Every time you throw in a diuretic like caffeine, you know, it's going to throw it off a little bit. Um, same thing with alcohol. More alcohol you throw in it, you know, the worse it's going to be. So you got to kind of plan for that. And that's the way I uh, coach people on that one is like for every one, you know, uh, like beverage of caffeine or alcohol, whatever, you know, another glass of water in its place. So if you typically drink six glasses of water a day, you have two beers. You should probably drink eight that day, you know, try to counteract it. What are your views on pre-workout and protein powder? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so from a pre-workout perspective, I, I mean, I'm just a straight black coffee type of guy. Like it's, it's super natural. You're still getting the caffeine out of it, which is the vast majority of, of the purpose of a pre-workout is to, you know, increase your, your release of adrenaline and, and get your heart pumping, um, make you feel more awake, alert. So I, I do black coffee, but uh, there's a ton of different options out there that are fantastic. What you have to watch out for is a the sugar content, right? Because there can be a lot of sugars in in a lot of these pre workouts, um, or what they replace that with in order to make it sweet. So yeah, what about like a Bang or a Celsius that has zero sugar? Yeah, so but it tastes sweet, right? Oh yeah, I love those. Things. Yeah, <laughs> so they're replacing that that sugar sweetness with an artificial sweetener, right? So it kind of goes back to that. Um, how clean you want your body, right? So if you're putting in an artificial sweetener, something that was created in a, you know, in a, in a factory somewhere, um, then you want your body to metabolize that same thing. So are you, are you getting out of, of your pre-workout what you actually want to get out of it? Like you want to get a good workout, but you probably also want to be healthy and getting a good workout too, right? So there's, there's a trade-off with that. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for like that, that extra you know, extra hard workout or, um, a little more incentive. Like it's a rough week. I just got to get through this week and still hit some workouts along the way. Yeah. By all means, like those, those are good alternatives, things you can supplement in there for sure. Are there any clean pre-workout powders that you recommend that, um, that are not black coffee? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, or do they all have garbage in them? I I've, I've never really crossed paths with one that I thought was like, the end all be all of pre-workouts, you know, um, there's, there's so many different, so many different carriers, so many different options out there. Um, but none of them are, have been, none of them have really tripped my trigger of like, this is the, okay. this is the healthy, perfect way to do it. And they all yeah. market themselves that way. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, creatine. Creatine. Yeah. Yeah. So creatine is, uh, is the most commonly used uh, supplement in, in America. It's been used for a long time. There's no other supplement that's had more studies done on it. There's a ton of people that use it, um, to increase muscle mass, to 
increased strength. Um, it's really more of a, you know, stereotypical like gym rat type supplement. Um, but it does make a big difference. It collects a lot of water. It, it retains water when you consume it. You need to consume it with some sugars um, in order for it to be absorbed because it doesn't absorb itself. Um, but it, it's, it's from what they've found in all these studies is that it's, it's pretty, as far as supplements go, it's pretty healthy. Um, as long as you take it with a lot of water and your sugar and you're maintaining a good, healthy, you know, regimen with that. Um, it, it's found naturally in mostly red meats. So you can get some forms of creatine phosphate in like steak, for instance. Um, but your, what you're trying to do is kind of give your body a bunch of that at one time. So hopefully it utilizes it during the workout, burns it up during your, like, if you're doing, you know, sets of sets to failure of eight, for instance, um, the first couple of sets of eight, like you're going to do just fine without extra creatine. But after that third, fourth set where you fatigued everything out, your body's looking for something called uh, a phosphate molecule. And that creatine phosphate is your body's first go-to source for replacing that phosphate molecule. So um, by supplementing in, making sure there's extra creatine phosphate floating around those muscles, your body's more likely to absorb that extra stuff that's sitting around and utilize it to contract that muscle one more time. You know what I mean? So that's where people are getting their, their results from. So you do recommend creatine? For, for people that have the goal of something like yeah, gaining muscle okay. mass, yep. yeah, yep, increasing strength. Uh, actually, even there's, there's certain bone density um, studies that show that creatine makes a big difference because of the, the inherent strength and, and uh, tension placed on the bones, you know, that extra load that people are able to do with creatine phosphate. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, how often do you recommend someone works out? Yeah. Uh, so good question. It, it's going to depend on where they're currently at. Let's, get, let's go with someone who's in bad shape to start off the year and just hasn't yeah. worked out in a while, getting back into it. And then right. maybe someone who's training for something. Yeah. So let's Two go on ends. both spectrums. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, the first person that doesn't really, um, is, isn't coming into this with, with any sort of fitness, um, background no, but they want to they want to lose a bunch of weight going into the year and may, maybe yeah. they were fit at one point in time but they've totally. fallen off the wagon a little bit i have a few friends like that who yeah. might be listening right now totally. <laughs> yep um so what i tell people is from a from a fitness perspective doing something every day makes a big difference it keeps that metabolism going um so your body's more likely to, to to burn up those extra calories um but it's important to not overdo it right away because your body's going to respond to the stress that you place on it so when you get super sore after a workout, that's your body saying like, I, you, you can't push this that much harder for a while, right? It needs to recover. Most of exercise is about uh, like failure, fatiguing out a muscle group, breaking it down, and then letting it recover. That recovery is very important. So uh, for some people, that recovery would mean like, I can do it three days a week with, you know, at least a day in between each one. Um, and for other people, they can do it five, six times a week, but in a shorter duration or with, with less intensity, like, uh, uh, whatever end of that spectrum works best for your body. You got to listen to your body. If, if someone's going to F45, which mm -hmm. is a high intensity interval right. training type workout and they're starting from a low baseline where, and you get people at all different levels and points totally. in their fitness journey on there, yep. the person who's just starting out probably going to go to one class be sore for several days are you yeah. do you recommend hey you're going to go to one class then just just go on a on a walk for exactly. three or four days in a row and work it out and when you feel 
back to maybe 80% or 90% then come back in here for a class. And that might mean one class a week when they're starting out and then maybe it's two the next week and on from there. Yeah, it's exactly right. So we, we tell them on their first class, whatever level of intensity you think you should go at, take two steps back. That's probably where you actually need to be. The next day, you're going to be super sore when you wake up. The best thing you could do is go for a walk, push that blood flow through there, try and get out some of that lactate and, and inflammation that's built up in the muscles. Uh, that may take you two or three days of doing that before you feel well enough to, to throw in some squats or some chest press or something like that. Uh, then, then work your way back in. You know? So for a lot of people it's, it's, you know, that are brand new like that, it's two days before we get to see them again for their second workout. I remember when my, I had my buddy Ian Abston come into yeah. class a few years ago and yeah. he was bitching at me about the chiropractic and PT fees he had after coming to F45. There's sure. a guy who sure. had not worked out much and did not take two steps back. He took Fair. two steps forward in yeah. class and was trying to perform way beyond his level. Yeah. Maybe because he was next to me and Daniel Slade or something like that and competitive. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah that, you gotta, gotta kind of ease, ease your totally. way into it a little bit. It's just really hard. Cause a lot of times we get people like you that are, that have been to F45 a number of times. You're, you're in shape, you're fit and you bring in a friend who's not, and they want to, they want to hang out with you. They want to keep up with you. You know, and it's hard to, or if you put anyone next to Sven, like they, <laughs> they need to know to take it. I, I have the self-awareness oh, yeah. to go back about five steps and be I'm okay shamed. with it. <laughs> Yeah, we whenever we see uh, certain weights out for certain exercises, we know that Sven's been in there. So he'll go around the gym and find bigger ways to put in to do the exercise. Sometimes he literally just modifies the exercise to make it harder, which is really you know kind of fun. He's notorious for that. Um, but yes. yeah, they're, they're uh, you know a, a natural competitive side is pretty common, and it takes a lot for somebody to sort of swallow that you know like competitive side and and just do what's right for their body versus like trying to be as good as the guy next to him got better it, it is a good environment though if you're trying yeah. to get better and at 45 or any like group training program i know i used to be leery of that and then started mm-hmm. going to a place called trench back in like 2013 oh, yeah. or something and it makes a difference at least for me who you know yes. if i go to the gym by myself i'm usually just on my phone on yeah. a machine for a few minutes wasting going, going time to the steam room yeah yep. stuff like that yep. so putting five minutes between each set exactly yeah <laughs> Um, what role do hormones play in weight loss or muscle gain? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So um, hormones play a, a huge role. So um, when it comes to something like weight loss, you know, there, there's a ton of hormones that are involved with it that uh, can increase or decrease your metabolism. Something like cortisol, for instance, which happens a lot of times when people get stressed out, they get a lot of release of cortisol. Cortisol actually causes like fat trapping. So it, it essentially is going to metabolize things in order to create fat that can sit in your body and store up. So, so if you're stressed and anxious constantly, it's going to be hard to lose weight no matter what. Terribly hard. So you got to take care of your mental health. You yeah. talked about that at the beginning a little yes. bit, just making sure you're healthy in all areas. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's, usually there's usually if you're stressed too, at least I know when I am, I'm, I'm snacking all the time as well, yeah. which doesn't help either, but yeah. you can carry on. Your brain's elsewhere, right? You're not thinking about what you're putting into your mouth. You're, you're thinking about whatever it is that you're stressed about and right. everything that relates to that. So yeah, it, it's a common thing. Um, from a muscle gain standpoint, hormones are huge as well. A guy that's got low testosterone is going to have a hard time gaining muscle, right? Like you got to have the hormones all have to line up in the right ways in order to achieve the right results, you know, in a decent, timely fashion. So hormones are big. It's kind of like, I would say that if there's three buckets that we can all um, think about when it comes to any sort of fitness goal, 
one bucket is the fitness, like the physical aspect of it. Second bucket is the nutrition, like what you're putting into your body to help out. The third bucket is that hormonal. And a lot of times that's, that's out of our control. Um, you got to go to a, a special doctor in order to figure out like where your hormones at, what can you do about, you know, getting them in line to help you get into healthy, good shape again. Mm-hmm. I like this question. Are body types set and predetermined from genetics or can you change your body type through health and fitness? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So there's, there's, um, story after story about people that have overcome this, this problem, this like set point theory. So, um, obviously you're, what, what is set point theory for those who aren't familiar? Yeah. So set Quick. point theory is, is like, uh, if you weigh 190 pounds and, um, have like a taller slender build, the set point theory says that you're probably going to be about 190 pounds with a taller slender build the rest of your life, kind of no matter what you do. Right. So, um, if you lifted weights constantly your whole life, you could change that. Right. But the set point theory says eventually you're going to come back to that exact spot again. Right. So it's, it's just a theory. People have overcome it plenty of times. Um, it's a bit of an obstacle for some people. They think like, well, I'm always going to be this fat guy. I'm always going to be that guy that's got a gut, you know? Um, and that, that kind of mentality is, is harmful because you need that mental strength to help push you past, you know, past your barriers. Um, you can change it. There's story after story of people that have, have gone from fat to fit, you know, or like, uh, people that have gone from non muscular to all of a sudden, man, they got biceps and abs again, you know, look at those pecs. So, um, you can overcome it, but it just takes, it takes some extra effort. Just like anything else, if you're going to physically change the body, you have to give it a stress to make it adapt to, you know? So yeah, it, it is possible to, to make that change for sure. I agree with that. Um, what about resistance training versus cardio? Do you recommend people do a combination of those two things? Yeah. yeah does vast- it depend on what their goals are? Like right. I, I have some skinny friends who have trouble gaining weight, mm-hmm. which I cannot relate to at all. And they don't want to do cardio Yeah, because they're trying to gain yeah. weight. It's kind of an excuse, but. <laughs> it's, um, a, it's kind of a valid point when you think about it, though. So can you debunk that? Yeah, totally. So, um, so every time you're doing cardio, you're, you're activating muscles in order to do that cardio, right? That's the only way you're going to get your heart rate up there is if you're going to, you know, ask a muscle to contract and relax. So, um, to not do cardio means that you're, you're trying to conserve calories, conserve energy to, in order to eventually be bigger. Well, if you just want to be fatter, you know, yeah, by all means, go ahead and eat a bunch of extra calories and don't exercise. But if you're looking to be in shape, but bigger then yes, you're probably going to need to do some cardio. So um, cardio is, is partially a component of flexion, contraction of those muscles, right, over and over again in order to get the heart rate higher. But it's also, um, it's also a big component of, like, how do I put this, of getting oxygen into the muscles, fueling those, those muscles with oxygen so that way when you need that extra energy, it's, it's there, it's ready to go. Um, another component is the, the neuromuscular uh, connection between your brain and each muscle group. Cardio is fantastic for it because it makes that connection, that synapse happen over and over again. So your brain, uh, connecting that muscle gets stronger and stronger, which in turn makes each muscle group stronger, right? So if you're looking to, um, if you're looking to get bigger and you're afraid of doing cardio, like I would throw it into your regimen and just see what kind of results you get. Cause I've, I've never had anybody lose too much weight 
because they added in cardio on top of what they're already doing from uh, from a resistance standpoint. You know, if, if you're talking like an elite bodybuilder, now it's a whole different story. Um, so like elite bodybuilders, when they start getting close to a show, they need to start cutting fat. They're not looking to cut weight. They're looking to cut fat. So what they're going to do is they're going to keep their heart rate super low and sustain it for a super long period of time. Because when your heart rate is lower and you're exercising, you're burning a higher percentage of calories from fat, right? So your body's going to utilize more of that fat, um, when the heart rate is lower. When the heart rate gets higher, it starts to go into to different energy sectors, like uh, starts burning up sugars and proteins as well, which kind of defeats the purpose for a bodybuilder, for instance. Mm-hmm. But if, if, uh, if somebody, if the general public is looking for that, I, I wouldn't recommend skipping cardio day in order to make themselves bigger. Yeah. Uh, before we get into some amazing fan submitted questions, how do you recommend that people measure their progress? Yeah. Um, so I, I, we do this every, we do this four times a year at F45 is, um, if you're going to measure your progress, you got to start with a goal, right? So why are you going to the gym? Why are you trying to, uh, what are you trying to achieve with it? And sometimes people don't, they're not honest with themselves in figuring that out. Um, sometimes it's, it's more vain than it is, you know, than what they're admitting to themselves even. Um, but whatever that goal is, whatever drives you, like if, if I'm going to motivate you to do more reps, what do I have to say to motivate you? Right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be, I want to be down a pants size. Well, if I come up to you during your workout and I'm like, Hey, if you work harder, we're going to fit into those pants. If that doesn't motivate you, that's not your real goal. Right? Maybe your goal is to, you know, uh, gain the attention of someone else, or you got a class reunion coming up. And you just want to look good for that class reunion, something like that. That's your real goal. So being honest with yourself and figuring out what that actual goal is, being specific with it, that's the first step. Um, the progress from, from where you're at to getting to that goal, that's, that's the motivation part, right? So we've got to start you where you're at and then sort of create a roadmap to get you to the, to the results that you're looking for. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's dive to some fan submitted questions. This one is hard to believe, this first one. But I had the Go-Getters podcast compliance department make a couple phone calls beforehand. So um, I'm sure most of the listeners are aware of this person. He's a New York Times bestselling author of the book, Empower Me. His name is Joe Vilmo. Some know him as the Muffin Man. He went on a golf trip with a few guys and conservatively consumed 100 units of alcohol (laughs) over a four-day span. Sure and did an orange theory class the day after he got back. How much alcohol intake did this <laughs> offset? <laughs> How much did it offset? Uh, not a ton. <laughs> so, I mean, at and best. How, how, it, how does someone get 100 units of alcohol into their system? I know if I, if I go out hard, which does not happen anymore, maybe I'm in yeah. the 15. Yeah. range if yeah. if a shot is a unit right maybe right. 20 if yeah. i in but then the next day my body just completely rejects it yeah i can't yeah. i literally my throat would burn if i tried to right put another one down like is yeah. he just he's an animal. Joe, Joe, he is is he just superhuman yeah he's he's definitely an animal um <laughs> it's so much alcohol. he's also single to any ladies listening who are very impressed with this feat yeah 
Obviously, our expert right here is speechless. Yeah, he, he's well. He's he's a high end athlete. You know, that's a high end athlete. He right doesn't there. really look like one necessarily, <laughs> but he if, does go to Orange Theory quite a bit. If you if you figured out like at the high end of the spectrum, if he burns a thousand calories in one one hour workout, a thousand calories, it's like right? ten units, right? Yeah, of vodka. So, so you Tequila. think about yeah, if on the on the high end, it's ten. You know? So he would have to do 10 very high-end classes to make up for those four days. To counteract the, the calories alone. Right. And it typically, I think the, the last I read, um, alcohol has sustaining um, issues in your body for 72 hours after consuming. So, you know, for three days afterwards, he's, he's already in detriment, you know, no matter what he does. So <laughs> it's, he's got a lot of work. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, question two, this, this is applicable, I think, for a lot of people, especially in this city who are trying to achieve their goals going into this year. I want you to speak of the importance of putting yourself in a good environment when you're trying to have willpower. Uh, for example, Micah Glenn Crawford was trying to go all of January, really going zero to 100 without sugar, alcohol, or carbs. And he went the entire first week and then went to the Sunday night Packers-Lions game with TJ Marini, and that did not last, although he did limit himself to two beers and two shots. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the food and sugar intake, but still pretty good job by Glenn. But sure. you talk about importance of environment when trying to achieve your fitness goals. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I, I do have to touch base on this no sugar, no carbs thing. Uh, your brain operates off of sugars alone, right? So you're going to need some form of sugar in your diet, no matter what, just because just for literal body critical function. What about right? people who are trying to cut sugar? Yeah. Um, or should I, you get your sugar from fruit? Are there good and bad sources to get it from? Totally. My yeah. dad is currently trying to cut sugar. Yeah. Cu- well, cutting sugar, sugar. Well, he's and, trying to and, go no sugar. Yeah. No sugars. That's really hard on your body. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So you're going to get a, you're going to get a ketosis effect out of that, which is um, your body's going to start breaking down the lean tissues in your muscles and utilizing them for energy because it, you're so depleted on sugars. Um, the brain will start shutting down certain organs to just so that it can stay alive. So you, you don't want to go no sugar. Um, I would agree that most Americans consume too much sugar um, or too much at one time is another big problem versus spreading it out. There are different levels of uh, of sugar on, on the glycemic index. So if you're if you're familiar, you could Google the glycemic index uh, to figure out which end of the spectrum it is. But typically, you want sugars that if you're going to consume sugars, you want sugars that are are more of a slow burn. They're going to take a lot longer to burn off and metabolize in your body versus those ones that like you know are like a matchstick, like they just fire off like alcohol. They fire off real fast and hot, and then they're gone. You want ones that last, sustain a lot longer, and give you longer term energy. You don't need as much of them that way. So like from fruit? Uh, yeah, yes. Produce is very good for that sort of thing. Certain fruits have, are, are higher on the glycemic index. Um, a lot of oats and things like that can, can be better for you, give you more longer sustained energy. Um, certain wheats can do the same thing. Yeah. Got uh, it. So what, what was the rest of the question? Sorry, the events to help support him? Uh, no, just the environment. Like environment. you believe that how the importance of environment when trying to create new habits. Yeah, yeah. So you think about... Um, a supportive environment is is people around you that are helping you achieve what it is that you want to achieve, right? 
So you wouldn't go hang out with your best drinking buddies if you're trying not to drink, for instance, right? Like you're putting yourself in a, in a very difficult pinch position. Um, so environment is very important uh, just to sort of get your mindset right, but also to, to give you some motivation and some accountability. If no one else around you is drinking, you're not as likely to drink, for instance. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm looking to lose weight, so I got to stay away from all my buddies. But at the same time, you got to keep in mind, you know, there might be certain sacrifices that need to be made in order to stick with your goals, that sort of thing. Yeah, and somebody's like this TJ Marini guy or Joe Vilmo who consumed 100 units should probably be steered clear yeah. of for those who are trying to better themselves. Um, <laughs> Kyle Crown. The golf question was wondering if there's any good exercises to improve club head speed. Oh yeah. Oh, tons. Absolutely. Just um, want to rattle a few off for him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Any sort of like uh, a wood chop exercise. If you want to, if you can YouTube this, there's, there's tons of different wood chop exercises that are fantastic. Anytime that you're going to do a rotational movement where you separate your hips and your ribs. So your hips stay steady and your ribs rotate, for instance, that's going to create a lot of torque. Um, and then th there's a lot of, uh, balance involved and shifting of weight in golf as well. So anytime that you can, you can do an exercise that's going to challenge your balance, um, from one foot to the other, that's also going to, going to play a big role in it as well. And the third component is going to be your flexibility. So if you don't have, you know, the range of motion in order to get that, that club head as far back as you can, and then all the, you know, good long follow through before you've got resistance again, then, then you're restricting yourself in your swing. So flexibility is a big part of it too. So there's, there's a ton of exercises and stretches that you can do to, to mobilize your hips, mobilize your back, your thoracic spine. Um, one of my favorite stretches is called a notebook. If anybody wants to look that one up. Um, but essentially when you're separating, when you're rotating your hips and not your chest or rotating your chest and not your hips, anytime you separate those two, you can either do it for a stretch or you can add resistance to it. Um, and then once you become, once you get, feel comfortable with the strength and the range of motion of it, then adding speed to it is going to help, right? So something like, uh, like standing perpendicular to a, a brick wall and rotating and tossing that ball from your hips at that brick wall uh, as fast as you can or as hard as you can, that's going to create a lot of power. It's going to teach your body to use the bigger muscles to help rotate and, and therefore transport, transfer into the, the head of the golf club. So yeah, it's highly specific training, but it's, it's very easy to do as long as you're willing to put in the time for sure. Good answer. Um, speaking of specific exercises, Matthew Holbrook has a big trip to Cancun coming up and wants to quote, groove his lower abs. Yeah. <laughs> Any exercises from Matthew Holbrook or others looking to do the same thing potentially for the GCTB Great Cliffs Tiki Bar yeah. this summer at Bradford. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. Um, yeah, so the, your, your abs are made up of two different major muscle groups. One is your rectus abdominis, which is your six-pack. That's the one that is the most superficial, closest to the skin. Um, what matters. It's what matters, right? So, uh, so if, you, if you have less fat over top of that, it's going to be more exposed, and therefore it's going to look more defined. Um, the second component of that that I would talk about is, uh, just like any other muscle group, when you add resistance to uh, something like a crunch, it's going to make the size of that fiber increase, right? So don't do a hundred body weight sit-ups. Instead, do 10 weighted sit-ups to help increase the size of that muscle. The second portion is, uh, or second muscle group is your transversus abdominis. It's deeper. It's more internal than the rectus abdominis. And that one um, is, is more important for posture. 
it, it, when you flex that muscle, it, it rotates your hips back, but it also pushes your organs up inside your chest cavity and makes you appear more slim and therefore puts more, um, you know, more focus on the abs and, and the midsection. So if that muscle is strong as well, it's going to help uh, create sort of the image that he's looking for. I mean, a, a great tiki bar, for instance, that's a, that's a, a fantastic exercise uh, or muscle group to focus on for that one. So you can appear more slender in the bottom and get bigger shoulders on the top. Uh, in order to work that transverse abdominis, just lay on your back with your legs straight and push your back down into the ground, right? Like pull your belly button in toward your spine. You got to rotate your hips back a little bit, but try and get your lower back to touch the ground uh, at the same time as you're putting your shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Stegman, former president of the journal Sentinel, friend of the show, once got denied from Joe Katz and then snuck in. He was wondering what the push-up record is at F45. Oh. Uh, that's a great question. So, cause we, he can do like 200 in a row. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We he don't, doesn't have a lot to lift. I think he's like five, seven, 130 don't, pounds. Don't but, discredit him. Don't discredit oh, he's him. Oh, he's multi-time Iron Man and has yeah. a tattoo to show for it. Oh man. Believe it or not. Beast. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. We don't have an ongoing push-up uh, challenge. What we typically do is, um, we do 60 seconds of an exercise after the workout. Yeah, what's the 60-second record? Do yeah, you I believe the last one was Sven, and he got, uh, it was over 100, 110 roughly, something like that, in, in 60 <laughs> oh, that seconds. putting Stegman to shame. He, oh, okay. he's a total beast. All right, I'm sure Stegman will want to visit next time he's in town. He's out in Salt Lake City right now, I believe, working for the uh, Salt Lake Gazette Great. or something. Come on in, Stegman. Yes. Look forward to it. Yes, guy's just a machine. Um. Okay, uh, known as the Milwaukee King Executive, John Halley, he goes for lunch at the Delafield Brew House every Tuesday and takes some people from work and usually has a couple of beers. Is it better or worse to do day drinking than night drinking? Um, if all the playing field is the same, like you're consuming the same number of drinks in the day as you would have at night. If all is the same, I would rather the person did it during the day. Here's my reasoning. When sugars sit in your body and are not utilized, your body can start to metabolize them in a different way, right? So if you put in a whole bunch of sugar, go lay down, fall asleep, then your body's going to start looking for ways to, to utilize that as fat because you get more, more energy out of fat. Um, if you're doing it during the day and then you still got actions to do, you know, still activities, things where you're physically active after that, you're going to burn off some of those sugars in moving those muscles around, moving your body around. So it, it's actually better for you to do it during the day than in the evening saying that you are going to be awake and moving around after those day drinks. He does just play a different game than a lot of people I know, which I think makes mm -hmm. him so good at at what he does and so successful. And I know after those lunches, he's leading meetings and mingling and stuff like that. So I know he's definitely burning off mm -hmm. those calories. Um, Shane Krangle, who used to go to F45, was wondering um, in the summer, if you are required to wear a shirt on Tuesday and Thursday, which is strength day. <laughs> I did see him post recently doing shirtless squats on Instagram. Oh, right. And lifting heavy weights. I I refer to him as the hip thruster king from a, a hit video we had a few years I ago. I remember that. Doing the hip thrusters. Yeah. yeah. 
him and uh, Craig Council was in that video too, doing hip thrusters. <laughs> Good one, two punch right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, both the same level athlete. Um, yeah. So you're you're not uh, required to wear a shirt in F45, but you probably would be ousted pretty quick if you took. A I shirt. don't know if you're not required. So you're saying yes, you can. You do not have to wear a shirt. We do not have it posted anywhere that you have to wear a shirt. <laughs> As of right now. As of right now. Okay. Sounds good. Um, question. This might have been from Kyle Crown as well. Can you responsibly lose weight without cutting alcohol, specifically hazy IPAs? <laughs> and as a big fan of IPAs personally, and someone who's trying to go January all of January without beer, including mm-hmm. my no drinking Sunday through Thursday. How bad are IPAs for you? So that's like the worst thing you could possibly drink. Is it the worst? I, it's not the worst. Other than like a milkshake cocktail or some sugary Right. Cocktail. Yeah, that, that's the thing is you, there, in today's day and age with beer, there are such extremes, you know, those, those smoothies and, and some of the sours out there. Like there's a lot of sugars in those. Um, hazy IPAs are definitely up there though for, for a typical drink. Um, can you still, yes, you, I've, I've known plenty of people that have still, um, consumed a a fair amount of alcohol in my opinion and still lost weight, still achieved their goals. Um, but you have to think about like for every action, there has to be an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, either that reaction is your body gets fat (laughs) or that reaction is that you burn off those extra calories you put on. So if you're currently exercising four days a week for an hour at a time at a certain intensity, and you want to lose weight, but not give up any of the diet side of things. Well, then you got to start, you know, adding more fitness into it. You got to burn more calories. So for every, every beer, if it's a 300 calorie beer, for instance, you know, you're, you're probably burning 300 calories. He's probably burning 300 calories in 30 minutes. So he's got to put in, you know, how many 30 minute bouts of exercise in order to, to counteract each one of those beers. How many calories did muffins gain on his hundred units of alcohol? <laughs> Over a four-day span, is that ten thousand? What's what's a hundred times a hundred? Yeah, a thousand. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yeah. Still functioning. Yeah. All right. Any <laughs> but, uh, but now I, I probably shouldn't say this. People are gonna take this and run with it probably. Um, when you consume something, especially liquid, that fast, your body is less likely to absorb it all. Does that make sense? So if you're putting in, it doesn't even know what hit it, <laughs> it'll still absorb a lot of it, but from a percentage standpoint, it's not going to absorb as high of a percentage of it because you put so much of it in there. At that point, your body's not looking for more sugar, you know, like it's got a lot of it. So it's not as likely looking to... for the hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'd be looking at. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> if I did half of that over four days. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in his defense by you know, sort of putting him down a lot real fast, he is less likely to absorb all of it than he would be if he, you know, spread it out over the course of a couple of weeks, for instance. All right, Wade, we'll, we'll end it right there. Thank you for coming on and for all your great advice. And thank you for everyone who submitted a question on this podcast. If you got any value out of this, I don't know how you didn't, please rate and write a review. Subscribe if you have not already. And we have some big changes coming for the Go-Getters in the next couple months. So, so stay tuned. Those will be announced very shortly.